The Overcome and Conquer show is presented by The Project. The Project is a full immersion, 75-hour experience designed for men who know in their core they are not living up to their fullest potential. Rather than waking up every morning ready to dominate life, the mediocre man rolls out of bed and slides into the same unfulfilling routine they've unhappily been in for way too long. The project is for men that have lost their internal flame and motivation to conquer. It's for men living an unfulfilling life that lacks excitement and purpose. Sound familiar? Then listen up. The project is specifically designed to challenge you mentally and physically. We push you to the ledge of self-limiting beliefs and prove you've got much more in the tank. We kill the bitch and unleash the beast. We uncover the demons that hold you back and turn extreme pain into superpowers to dominate life. In the end, we turn mediocre men into modern-day knights. We forge a brotherhood and bond that levels you up as a better husband, father, and friend. But the project is not for every man. In fact, it's not for most. For men who are okay with being in a rut and achieving less than their fullest potential, the project isn't for you. If you're not willing to put in the work to fix what isn't working, the project isn't for you. However, if you're done white-knuckling it through life, living one day at a time with no sense of purpose, and are willing to do what it takes to improve, the project holds the key to unlocking the next chapter. Graduates of the project join a brotherhood of modern-day knights and become the authors of their destiny. They have their fire reignited and reclaim dominance over their family, fitness, finances, and faith. If this resonates with you and you want to learn more, we encourage you to apply today at www.mdkproject.com forward slash OC show. Everybody wants to be on top of the mountain. The problem nowadays is people want to get dropped off at the top of the hill and look down. It's that I overcome mindset that makes all the difference. See, the way we're taught is you're going to claw, you're going to scratch, you're going to bite, you're going to dig, you're going to do whatever it takes to get to the top of that mountain. That unequivocally is how I have managed to keep myself moving forward and finding success. Two seals, one mission. The Overcome and Conquer Show. And welcome back to the Overcome and Conquer show. We have been on a run, dude. We have had some amazing guests in today's guest. Is, uh, dude, he is ranking up there with the guest of all guests. Although I will say he's got some, uh, he's got some special predilections. He uh, tends to like, uh, I'll just say he likes animals better than people. Mm, yeah. I mean, like yeah. Oh, oh, you can't talk yet. You're not allowed to talk yet until we introduce yet. you. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, everything. What's yeah. not wrong with it? So, so today, guys, we'll give you a little hint. Three seals, one mission, and he loves animals. He loves okay. animals. All right. Let's get into it. Come on. Let's go. So, hey, so once again, we are in the throes. Uh, we're recording this show during the whole Kung flu crisis. So the world is falling apart and it is amazing to me. People that don't, yeah, the sky is falling. We're all going to die. Uh, you know, wrap yourself in as much toilet paper as possible because apparently that's what will protect you. But uh, it has been amazing to watch. Uh, it, you know, we've had some guests on here. Obviously, we had Tim Kennedy on here recently and talking to him just about mindset and preparation. And I think that's the difference, people. You got to be proactive in this life. You know, crisis is always coming. It's always coming. So, and really, it doesn't take that much to be prepared for it. You know, uh, I, in my garage, and I know Ray's the same, producer Ryan, I know our, our special guest is no different. You know, he's got at least a month's worth of food and water and obviously weapons to be able to protect ourselves. You know, and, and, and devastating good looks. I want to give one more hint about this guy. One more hint. It's three letters. Three letters, Papa Sierra Alpha. We'll just say PSA. That's all we're going to say. We're not going to say anything else and see if any of the guests can guess who this is from there. Don't worry. We'll get into it later. I, I want to ask that question later if he's still talking to that individual in the afternoon. That's what I'd like to know. So, uh, all right, well, listen, we're, we're, Ray, do you have anything else? Do you have any, any thoughts or even producer Ryan? What do you got for the uh, Kung Flu crisis? Well, personally, I, you, you want to go, Ryan, or you want me to go? Oh, no, go right ahead. Here's what I think. Ever since this thing has happened, I've spent more time with my family. I'm eating better. I'm, I'm working out more. 
Um, and instead of, if I'm not reading hey, you, book, hey, you look better. Thank you. If I'm oh, not, wait a minute, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm thinking about the Instagram post where you put on your wife's clothes and yeah. you had, and you had your picture with her clothes on next to her picture with her clothes on. And I was thinking that, man, you looked so good, but it was actually your wife. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah shit's getting weird. I'm not going to lie, but, um, <laughs> I'm not, you know, three seals, one mission. I even said that. I'm not even wearing pants right now, ladies and gentlemen. That's the rule when I have seals on. I don't wear pants. I just wear a shirt. But I actually, yeah, I and know. He's got, and he's got his camera no. under the table. <laughs> but as far as this whole pandemic, I think it's just people personally that are overreacting to the unknown. I mean, yes, there are people getting sick. I get it. Okay. <clears throat> I get it. There are people that die. But you know what? I had a relative die from having the regular flu, not the Kung Fu flu, years ago because it turned into pneumonia, turned into this, all, the, all this other stuff. But the one thing that I do know is I did not rush out and buy toilet paper. I did not rush out and do all this crazy shit. I'm just living my life to the fullest, and I'm going to continue to do so. I have more guns and ammo than everybody else in my neighborhood except for Tom Rochoff, so I'm good. Amen. No, I feel Yeah, you. but he's, he's a member of the tribe, so. Yeah. Uh, producer Ryan, you got any thoughts? Kung flu? You know, it's just a interesting time that we're living in. I don't really, I'm definitely prepared. I've always been prepared. I think it's something you should, you should do. Everybody should be prepared. So, Amen. um, it's just a sad right. time. Well, listen, speaking of prepared, uh, we got to jump into this cause I, I can't let our amazing guest go any longer. One, because I, I'm, I'm beside myself looking at him. Not only is he devastatingly handsome, he's got a glorious beard and better than all of that in the background of the camera. Yeah. There is like a walking dead katana just waiting to be <laughs> broke out on the zombies that are coming. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you guys his bio. I'm going to do my big intro. And as you start hearing things, there's no doubt you're going to know who this guy is. But I'm going to roll into it. Like we talked about, he is a uh, fellow Navy SEAL, served 12 years as a SEAL and saw action in Operation Iraqi Freedom. During that time, uh, he saw something happen. He saw a, a Marine mission where a <coughs> A explosive detection dog basically alerted the Marines to a a uh, a grenade that had been trapped in the way, and he literally saved the lives of these Marines. And it was that point forward he had always loved dogs, and he decided he was going to start working with these animals and utilize them to basically beat the enemy. And uh, he became really one of the first groundbreaking groundbreaking seals that got into the uh the cad program the combat assault dog program and the multi-purpose canine training so after he finished his service he decided he loved dog training so much he went off he started a company tricos international yeah. and he is now providing amazing amazing working canines to celebrities private individuals and government agencies i gotta tell you his dogs are considered some of the best trained, best multifunctional dogs in the world. And uh, he, along with that, he saw a need. I love people that see needs. He saw a need that there were so many of these combat assault dogs who basically after doing all these years of heavy work in the combat zone were not able to be turned over to a family. And he basically created a refuge for these dogs after their service life. So he created the Warrior Dog Foundation to take care of these dogs uh, he has worked with all kinds of dog companies. He has done all kinds of amazing things. He loves to cook. He's good looking. And uh, and he probably would finish all of this by just saying, uh, oh, wait a minute. He's a New York Times bestselling yeah, author. Yeah, you forgot that. Books. Yeah, I almost jumped ahead. Uh, but uh, he's a best-selling author of three books, Trident Canine Warriors, Navy SEAL Dogs, and Team Dog. And it is my great honor and privilege to introduce the one, the only, <coughs> Epstein didn't kill himself, Mr. <laughs> Mike Ritland. What is up, brother? Welcome to the Overcome and Conquer Show. Well, first of all, uh, I appreciate you having me. Second, uh, that intro makes me want to blow myself. Exactly. And, uh, and lastly, Dude, we were uh, wondering what you were doing during the intro. I didn't realize you were that flexible. I was trying to keep it down. You know what I mean? <laughs> Love it. 
Christ. Thanks for having me. I, I, uh, I know we've been meaning to do this. I need to have both of you on my show and, uh, I'm, I'm honored to be on here. I, I appreciate you having me. No, I'm not going to lie. I reached out <clears throat> to Mike, uh, not too long ago and said, Hey brother, I did, I literally did it like this. Hey, can you come on my show? Can you come on our show? And then why the fuck haven't I been on yours? <laughs> that was my, that was my sales pitch and he went for it. So good, good. stuff. I, We're honored to have you, Mike. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure. Thanks for, uh, thanks for taking the time. Not that, not that we don't have it right now. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No kidding. I mean, it is, it is podcast haven for everybody out there. He, he's so. like, fuck the end of the world. Sure. I'll jump on their podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody be alive to hear it. Sounds good. No, yeah, that's awesome. But Mike, seriously, man, you've been out there and you have done it, man. You've been out there on the battlefield. You've been slaying it in business. You and I have done some events together. You're out there. You're motivating. You're inspiring. But really, the biggest thing you're known for is is you are a dog whisperer, man. Well, I I don't know uh, I don't know about the whisper part. I, I tend to raise my voice more than I probably should. Uh, same way with the kids, right? But uh, no, I you know for me, I I grew up as a dog guy and. Uh, it was just, it was something that, you know, kind of, as you said in your intro that I was, uh, really kind of taken aback by what happened in Iraq. Uh, and it was, it was in an area where we weren't, uh, we weren't even working with the Marines that had the dog. It was more of a, you know, holy shit, why, why don't we have one of these dogs, you know? And so for me, um, from that day forward, I mean, that was early on, right, <laughs> right after the, the initial invasion and, uh, or not long after it. And, um, and so, yeah, just, it, it, it kind of consumed me for, for a while. I also was a little bit, uh, I guess, silver lining fortunate in that when I got Valley fever, I was on convalescent leave for almost a year. It was like 10 months uh, of being on convalescent leave. And so, you know, one of the things I, I have no doubt we'll talk about, and, and it kind of parallels what we're going through right now. Like a lot of times, and I'm not, you know, trying to toot my own horn or blow smoke up my own ass, but I found myself, you know, laying in bed for, you know, 18, 20 hours a day, um, you know, and, and being physically ill enough to where I, there wasn't a whole lot I could do physically, uh, you know, and so to me, I, I looked at that as a, as a hell of an opportunity to learn. Uh, and so I, I did exactly that. I, I spent that entire time just, uh, you know, consuming every single thing I could about dogs uh, from a training standpoint. I mean, I, I had a fair bit of experience with dogs up until that point, uh, just with bird dogs and hog dogs and things of that nature. But, uh, that, you know, was kind of the catalyst of, of coming back from Iraq and then, you know, catching Valley fever and, and having almost a year of, of literally doing nothing but watching videos, reading books, uh, you know, attending, uh, seminars via DVD at the time. Cause it was before streaming. Um, you know, but, uh, so yeah, I just, it, it, that kind of kickstarted everything and, and I've been doing it ever since, but you know, it's amazing how quickly and how um, much of an impact the the combat dogs made on the battlefield. I tell you what, I I that deployment that I got wounded on in 2007, we had a dog and it was a Marine dog handler. But I'll be honest, we did not utilize him to the level that fast forward a couple more years that the dogs were then being. Obviously, the dogs were totally integrated into yeah. the platoons. I mean, they literally were part of the troops. And uh, I think back on that night and just think about we had, you know, God, man, if we had had a dog and we had just stepped back and we had released that dog into that dense vegetation, you know, we would have known uh, how large of an enemy force we had and that those guys were in there. So it is amazing. The game changing. Um, one of the times when I was working in operations, we actually did a study. Um, we had recently lost a dog in combat. And uh, it, it generated some questions at the highest levels. Well, how much do these dogs really make a difference? And we basically went back and did a study of all these different missions that dogs had been on where, you know, guys were getting ready to make an entry or had done something. And they had used the dog to go in first and found out that either A, there was a booby trap or B, you know, there was heavy enemy uh, armed enemies inside. And we calculated, man, you know, these different instances probably would have generated in a death, a KIA. And these dogs made the difference. And it was dozens and dozens and dozens of lives that were saved over the years from the dog program. Yeah, no, I mean, to me, it's, it's impossible to, to quantify, you know, really, because you, you don't know if a dog finds an IED, for example, like, how do you determine how many people didn't die because of that? It's impossible. But to your point, 
unquestionably, uh, you know, you, you could say at this point, it's thousands, you know, thousands of people are, are here today because dogs either, uh, you know, found IEDs or, or got the jump on an ambush or, you know, the, the handler, you know, saw some change of behavior in the dog and was able to determine that, you know, somebody was, was coming from a direction because of the wind or, or whatever. And, and then it's just, you know, to me, it, it's, it's really remarkable, truly remarkable how, how effective they are. One of the things you mentioned about, you know, having a Marine handler and you, and you not utilizing him and then, you know, fast forward a few years in the full integration, that's really the key. You know, one of the things that I think uh, most people make mistakes on is, is assuming that the dog understands what's going on uh, in terms of, of it having been explained. You know, you and I and, and the, the team, the platoon, the troop, whatever, you know, are, are sitting around and, and discussing, you know, all of the different things that are taking place. You know, you don't have the ability to do that with a dog. And so, um, you know, while we understand like, hey, that's friendly, like that guy's off limits. The dog doesn't get that unless he's spent time. You know, and, and that's, you know, one of the things I see that hamstrings a lot of units, frankly, uh, you know, that if they're having issues, you know, I go and work with departments all the time where, uh, you know, that that dog is, is either failing to deploy for for some reason, whether he's engaging the wrong people or he's not engaging the right ones or, or whatever. Uh, and it usually boils down to a, a lack of relationship and, and trust and bond between the dog and handler. Uh, and then also just a lack of, of true integration into whatever uh, team person unit uh, group that that he's supposed to be operating in it's a it's a huge part of it wow I, I, that's crazy I, I have a question so do yeah. you when you do you match up the dogs to the individuals is it that close um, tight tight yeah, knit it, to a certain extent yes i mean it's going to depend a lot on the unit and how many dogs they have at their disposal and, you know, the experience of the handlers for sure. You know, if, if you've got say five dogs and five handlers, yeah, they're absolutely going to be saying, Hey, this dog is best with this guy, you know, depending on, you know, how hard or strong the dog is, how green or, or, you know, naive and, and unexperienced, you know, the handler may or may not be, those are all going to play a role. Now, like with police departments and such, there's, I would say generally, especially on the smaller side, there's less of that. It's, you know, we've got one handler, let's just find a dog that's going to make, make the cut and, and pass our selection and, and be, you know, the right fit for them. There's still going to be some of that, but, you know, to me, the, the bigger the group, the more handlers and dogs there are, uh, generally the more you see that, but, uh, just some kind of general rules of thumb are, are that is that if you've got like a, a brand new handlers, never handled a dog, like you don't want to put him with a really, really strong ass eater that's, you know, hyper dominant and, and is really going to, you know, kind of test the water and push his buttons. You're going to want to go with maybe a little, uh, a little more push button dog. that's a little more even keeled and, and social and things of that nature, but it's always a trade-off, you know, I mean, the type of dog that, that frankly is required to go into, you know, say a, a hypothetical, even here stateside is you've got a twice convicted felon, you know, that's six, three, 240 pounds. And he's hopped up on fucking bath salts, right? Like the guy's got nothing to lose. He's not in a, in a normal state of mind, pain tolerance wise. Uh, the dog that you're going to send in there better be a, a real motherfucker to deal with that guy, you know? Um, so, you know, if, if I'm picking the ass eater with the season handler that, you know, maybe he's bit his handler a couple of times and, you know, you're, you're kind of keeping him from biting the wrong people versus maybe the dog that's way more push button and you kind of got to dirty him up and bring that out of him. I'm going to take the, the harder charger on that. Now, if we're going to go do a school demo, then yeah, I'm probably going to take the more even keeled dog and, and whatever. So just like with, with all things in life, you know, balance and, and kind of the right tool for the right job is, is certainly part of that. Love it. So I got a question for you. I got two questions. Let's, let's <coughs> we're all serious and I love it, but you know, I'm not a serious guy. So question I have is, and it's a rhetorical question. Have you ever been bit by a dog? Oh, fuck. Yeah, I have. Of course you have. Do you know how many times? I don't. I mean, yeah, too many to count. But Baker's for, dozen, 50, 100? Um, I'd say a few dozen. Uh, right. Only only a handful of really serious ones. I mean, to me, you know, a, a bite is where the, the skin is, is absolutely broken. You know, to me, a, a, I don't count like a nip or a jaw pop, a, a skin pinch, things like that. I don't, if I was counting those, it'd, it'd probably be hundreds. Okay. So I'm going to tell you a true story that most people don't know about, except for fucking Rich Graham. You know, Rich Graham is? <laughs> I do, yeah. Okay. I'm going to tell the story before we get, this is a true story about <laughs> me and why true... I will never get into a dog suit again. Yeah. 
we were doing uh, one of the races that Mike Donnelly and uh, was it one of the SEAL races that they used to do. They stopped doing it. Whatever. It's, it's, I can't remember it. I'll remember it later. But anyway, Rich Graham had one of these dogs. Actually, Rich Graham brought the same damn dog to my private party I had at SHOT Show. But they said, hey, Ray, would you be willing to put on the dog suit? And what we want you to do <laughs> is we want you to run. <laughs> okay. And the dog, you know, just make sure, you know, I didn't, have, I didn't have the mask. Just when the dog gets ready to attack you, get ready. You know, make sure you cover your face. And boom. I said, okay, sure, Rich. Roger that. So what, what he didn't tell me is, is that they were going to be coming in on a, on a helo. Then they were going to release the dog. Okay, got it. So we want you to run in front of all the women and children. The dog's going to attack you. You got it? Yeah. So, and then Rich said, hey, I'll jump off and I'll release the dog. Got it. So I'm running. Hilo comes in. Holy shit, what's going on? I start running. I, this damn dog, Lily, it was four legs and hair with teeth, was coming at me. The hell bitch. And I'm running. And I'm not running fast. And anyway, this dog locked on to my leg. <gasps> that suit did nothing. I am literally trying to beat the dog in front of all these women and children yelling, get this fucking thing off me. Oh. Rich is taking his good old time coming to get me until he realizes what's going on. And to this day, I still hate Rich Graham because of that. He laughed so hard. And they said, hey, Ray, can you do this again? And I went, fuck no. I still have scars on my calf from that dog biting through that suit. So you uh, you were wearing wearing a suit on it and on your like you were wearing the suit pants and it just went all the way through it or what? Yeah, it was like an old ass suit that Rich gave me. I got you. It looked like I was wearing a pair of card hearts. Fucking bit right through me. <laughs> like scratch pants. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I mean, anyway, yeah, I mean, it hurt. Dude, that's that's you, Rich Graham. Dude, that's um, so funny. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, suit thickness wise, like I, I wonder if he had you in a pair of fucking scratch pants and and not a suit bottom. I I wouldn't imagine so, but. Um, you know, most suits should, should at least keep you from being injured. Now, having said that I've had, I've had a, a couple different dogs, uh, over the years that bit hard enough to where they, they actually bit all the way through the suit and still, still opened me up. Uh, you and I think to, that's what happened because on a serious note, Rich is a professional and that he was just, holy shit. But you know, it's, it was that look on his eye when he realized that I wasn't joking around. Then he came over and, you know, went into operator mode very quickly yeah. and then, you know, they taped me up. He called me a pussy and said, let's do it again. And I told him, <laughs> nope. So good stuff. All That's right. Awesome. <laughs> Dude, those dogs are amazing. I, 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 the Mike, when you were talking about the ones that just have that super high, just the super high ass eaters with drive. Um, you know, I wasn't operational at this point, but friends of mine and some of the teams, they, they would have dogs that they would be like, they had such high, um, literally, they, they loved the bite. Like they yeah. had gotten a taste for literally human humans. Yeah. And like when they knew they were going on a mission and they were getting ready to bite, <clears throat> they'd be so amped up. They would like bite dudes in the train. Yeah. Like they would just be so jacked, ready to go. And, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the, the tricky part with, uh, with these dogs, I think is exactly that is that, you know, you're, you're taking something that in our society is inherently unnatural. You know, you're taking a domesticated species and you're and you're funneling and channeling and breeding for natural forward aggression towards human beings uh you know so that's a dicey thing to control because you know in in most instances most people don't you know they won't tolerate any of it or or you know they won't allow even a little nip or a growl here or there or whatever which you know that's a whole nother story in terms of, of what to do or not or whatever but in this case you know you're 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 putting the responsibility of of you and your men's safety on the shoulders of a, you know, 65 to 85 pound animal that, you know, is, is supposed to be subservient and domesticated and, and, uh, you know, submissive towards human beings. And they're, they're the exact opposite of that. And so our ability to, to control and manage that is, is not a, not an easy thing to accomplish, but the types of dogs that go into special operations or, you know, SWAT teams of a, of a big metropolitan area, you know, again, where they're going out, you know, night after night having to, to go against guys who are not scared, who are physically uh, capable of hurting them and, and have the intent on hurting them. You know, again, you've got to, you've got to have a pretty confident, strong dog to be able to deal with that. And, and most of the times where the dog gets wound up and, and redirects on a team member or whatever, it's really just prey drive that manifests into frustration, which, 
which, you know, in turn uh, equals a, a redirect and they're just, they're frustrated and they, they need to put their mouth on something and they turn around and, and bite whatever they can, they can get a hold of. But uh, wow. there's certainly ways to manage that, but it's, uh, you know, that's where experience uh, comes into play and, and having a really heads up good handler that knows how to read the dog and then prevent them from doing shit like that. But so Mike, Mike, I got two serious questions. The first question is how many times when you've been dealing with people that you've gotten all jacked up and you've bit them? <laughs> I mean, most days, honestly, yeah. <laughs> fuck. I bite myself sometimes when I get bored, <laughs> but seriously, I, no, this is a serious question. <laughs> Have you ever bit one of your dogs? Like you get so frustrated. They bit you and you, the pull. world according to Garth and like, Garth. yeah. Did you like, uh, you know, like bite the shit out of their ear or something. Just like, I'm going to show you, you little turd. No, no, because the, you know, with these dogs, like in every instance where one has, has decided, you know, Hey, you know what? I'm going to take a fucking shot at the title. Um, it, it's, it's way past like an annoyance, you know, to me, that's where, you know, I wouldn't compare it to being shot at, but the, but the same type of, you know, uncontrollable emotion and hormones kind of flow through your body. Like, you know, after you've been bit, especially for real, you know, with no equipment on and that dog wasn't just throwing a warning shot across your bow. I actually came after you. Like I had one dog that I, I, um, basically I grabbed him by the collar. He spun around and grabbed my wrist and fucking broke it, you know, split my wrist wide open, fractured my wrist. I mean, and that, that fucking quick too, you know, like after you've had situations like that and you know, the difference between a dog just kind of, you know, trying to call your bluff or, or maybe peacock feather you a little bit and, and, and say, Hey, fucker, that's enough versus that dog saying you're fucking mine. And you know that that dog is now coming after you with everything he has. It, it's very different. Like it's, it's not a, well, I'm going to bite you back. Like it's, it's doing everything you can to just avoid being bit. Uh, because yeah. once they, once they do get a hold of you, and this is the thing that I think most people have a hard time really grasping until it happens to them is that, you know, cause everybody's used to, to dealing with their pets, you know, where it's like they mouth them, whatever. And, and you get this question all the time, like, well, what if I just stick my, my fist down their throat? Or what if I just shove my, my forearm into the back of their throat and I'll choke them. And, and to me, it's akin to saying somebody's coming after you with a chainsaw. Well, I'm just going to fucking grab it and stop it from moving. Like, no, you're not. Uh, you know, when that dog grabs a hold of you, it's absolutely destroying everything that it's, you know, it's burying its teeth into the gum line into your body and then shaking like a fish in a boat that you just caught and, and just wrecking your shit, you know? So like it, when that does happen for me, like I try to grab their collar, take their air from them and, and minimize their body movement as much as possible just to minimize damage. Like to me, the, the last thing I'm thinking of is trying to fight the dog off of me or bite him back or, or anything like that. I mean, when it, when it comes to that point, like it's, it's fucking survival of the fittest for sure. But. Wow. So that's basically the equivalent. Uh, that's like me talking about if a member of your family pulled a gun on you, after he had shot somebody else and, and me saying, I'm going to bite you in the ear. That's pretty much what I oh, just, yeah. that's I mean, to much. a certain extent, but I, I think that's a, that's a common misconception because most people, I mean, the, the, the tough part with working dogs is that most people have had dogs in their lives or have them, you know, and, and so they, they make a lot of assumptions that, well, that dog, you know, I can do the same things that I do with my dog. I'm sure you do that with your dog. And while some of those are, are accurate, excuse me, a lot of them are not, you know, there, there are certain things that, that we as, as a species take for granted with our domesticated pet dogs that, that aren't going to fucking, uh, you know, bust a grape with their mouth, uh, by comparison where you've got these other dogs that like they're bred, raised and trained to, to go fuck people up that don't want to be fucked up by them, you know? And so, you know, to me, it's, it's really no different than combatives with police or military is that like you're, you're training your guys to go in there and fucking manhandle people that don't want to be caught, you know, and, and for a dog, like that's pretty fucking serious, you know, especially when it's going in against somebody that's four five, six, seven times its size, you know, again, and maybe he's hopped up on something. Maybe he's got a fucking screwdriver, a box cutter, a baseball bat. I mean, a, a chair, whatever, you know, and he's going to try to beat the fucking dog to death while this dog is coming after him so i mean keeping all of those serious factors in mind like it, it's no bullshit i mean when you get a dog that's that's bred right you know has the the appropriate genetics and then has the the training and the and the scenario repetition to go in and, and fuck somebody up um you know that that dog is a motherfucker to deal with so for who, sure. who's got the most <clears throat> badass dog 
uh like which units yeah and like yeah anywhere like does is israel does the u.s uh, i mean I, I think every country at, at a certain level of of whether it's military or law enforcement it's all pretty pretty comparable honestly mm-hmm. um you know, at this point, as, as globalized as we are, as we're all kind of realizing with this coronavirus, I mean, in the last 20 years, I mean, post 9-11, like it, it's really 20 years ago, I would have said, you know, Europe for sure, specifically the, the Nordic or, you know, Holland, um, Belgium, Germany, some of the Nordic countries, you know, for sure were leading the way, specifically Belgium and Holland, Belgium, Holland and Germany. I would say, you know, 20 years ago, we're for sure setting the, the, the standard, um, you know, as, as much cross training and, and as many times as we've gotten dogs from them and had seminars and, and, you know, we, as a, as a country have used dogs at such a high level for so long now that I'd say, you know, we're, we're pretty competent with them. Um, you know, and so I'd still say most dogs, most good dogs are coming out of Europe. But uh, but in terms of them being being used at a high level and having really solid canine programs, all westernized uh, societies at, at a high level of military and law enforcement are, are all, you know, pretty, pretty good dog uh, dog units. But hey, guys, this is Ray from the Overcome and Cocker Show, and we are proud to announce that Icon Meals is our mid roll sponsor. Icon is an industry leader in cryovac meal technology. What does that mean, guys? You are going to get the freshest meals delivered to you next day service. Another key factor of why I love Icon meals is they have two menus, guys. They have the signature menu and the custom meals. So if you're like me and you need more protein or less carbs and you're on the go and fitness is your life, you can make a customizable meal. And or if you're just looking for the standard healthy meal choice, you can. So everything is organized for you. So ladies and gentlemen, Icon meals has taken all the work out of it all you have to do is put in what you want and they will provide what you need and it doesn't end there they also offer popcorn seasonings coffee cookies crisp bread and gift cards so guys check them out at www.iconmeals.com mike i gotta take a step back man i mean this has been so fascinating uh but we we've we've gotten ahead of ourselves and uh and it ties in so well with the word of the day. I mean, everything you've been talking about yep. relates to, I mean, from your SEAL training, from you being sick, laid up in bed for a year, and and literally just dealing with these dogs. We've got some of these dogs that have turned on you. I mean, I, I don't know about you. I mean, I think I felt it. Ray felt it when you were talking about that dog <laughs> latching onto your arm and breaking your arm. I was just thinking about that. I mean, how much pressure with the teeth and that that pressure to break your arm Man, it comes around to that word of the day. And uh, I think it's critical, the Overcome and Conquer show, we always want to focus, we always like to bring it back to that. You know, for that individual, we had asked you what your word was. And uh, so I think it's a great time to tee into that. Yeah. So, uh, Captain Care, yes, would sir? you do the honors? Yeah, the word that Mike chose today, which, wow, it hits home, is resilience. So, Mike, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read right off Google the definition and you tell me how it relates and resonates to you, brother. So resilience, the capability to recover quickly from difficulties, semicolon, toughness. Can you go ahead and uh, elaborate on that? Yeah. So, you know, to me, one of the, the neat things about what I do for a living, uh, paralleling, coinciding with all three of our careers, uh, is that, you know, I get to interact with and, and usually spend a few days with high net worth individuals ultra successful, you know, businessmen, celebrities, whatever, uh, you know, that, that have made it. And then some, um, you know, and, and I, over the last 12 years of selling dogs to these types of folks, you know, I, I'm, I'll spend a couple of days with them and their family in their house delivering the dog. And, 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 you know, a lot of it is, is formal training and things of that nature, but a fair bit of it is, uh, is casual conversation and I'll pick their brain a little bit about business and whatever. And, and one of the things that I, I, I realized that, in doing this, and I'll, I promise I'll bring this back to where it's relevant, is that I don't care what walk of life you're in, you know, whether you're a tech guy, an oil guy, a fucking weed grower, you're a commercial real estate developer, you know, an A-list celebrity, whatever, is that, you know, everybody gets handed shit sandwiches. You know, yeah, some people have better deals than others, but the, the one common denominator between all of those guys, any any business mentors I've had, and everybody that I know in the SEAL teams that made it, you know, just just making it through buds, if, if you contrast the people that do versus most who don't, every one of these guys has 
one single thing in common, no matter what country they're from, no matter what language they speak, no matter what business they're in, no matter what the fuck they do for a living. And that's resilience is that they never, ever fucking give up no matter what, you know, no matter how, how many times they go bankrupt or in buds, no matter how many times you almost fail or do fail or, or whatever is that that mindset of, of saying, you know what, I, I'm going to figure out a way to adapt to this shitty circumstance that I just got dealt and I'm going to fucking make it happen. You know, and, and that's who does it. You know, the, the, every successful guy, I mean, some of them are super talented. Some of them are not that talented. What every one of them are is absolutely fucking resilient, you know, and, and as, as any special operator knows is that <clears throat> without resilience, you're not making it through that selection. I don't care if it's Q course in the green berets, fucking ranger school, uh, you know, a fucking combat controller, a fucking team guy, whatever is that, you know, that, that level, uh, of resilience that's required to, to kind of rise above whatever your circumstances is, is, is required. And I think, especially now, uh, you know, given the, the, current climate that we have. I mean, I was having a conversation with my oldest daughter earlier today about that is that, you know, she was kind of feeling sorry for herself about not being able to go hang out with her friends and mm -hmm. not getting to do some of the shit that she wanted to do. And I was like, you know, you've been handed a fucking gift right now. Uh, you know, whether, whether you realize it or not, like you have an opportunity that, that where, uh, in any other time in your life, would you have a, a month to work on whatever the fuck it is that you want to work on? Yeah. Like there is no excuse for you not to be a way better fucking human being than you are a month from now, because you, you're, yeah, you're handed a fucking opportunity to do so, you know? So yeah, you can sit around and feel sorry for yourself or you can say, what's something I want to, I want to be good at. I mean, you can learn fucking how to cook. You can, you know, pick up any skill. I mean, especially in any of us growing up in high school, you know, just something as simple as having the internet, uh, at your fingertips. I mean, there are so many things you can learn and, and maximize and, and figure out and teach yourself from YouTube or anything else that, uh, that it's just, it's a wasted opportunity not to be doing that. Ray, to your point, similarly, like I've been working out more, I've been cooking my own food more, uh, spending way more time with my family, you know, yep. being present and thinking about things like to me, it's there, there's a certain element of, of a godsend of a reset button that, uh, that's being set on the entire planet right now that I think is, is overall good for people. I love it. You know, you're hitting key points here. I want to do something. I want to shift focus. You notice I'm the guy, I'm the shift focuser guy. Every, yeah, I'm the shift fire guy, the max flex guy, right? <laughs> start using those high speed terms. Everybody knows you for how fucking awesome you are with dogs. I get it. I get it. I'm try, I've been asking you for two years to train, train my four pound chihuahua. You won't do it. Ray, Ray, but, before we came on, we talked about how awesome he was in the bedroom. I Is know. that not? <laughs> oh, my bad. I'm sorry. But, We're good. I want to always get left out. <laughs> yeah, that'll get edited out. Don't worry. My <laughs> question is, is I want to know the shit about you that, and ask you some just crazy <laughs> questions and just yeah. see how you respond to them. So number one, you're five foot 11. You're this big fucking burly team guy. Why, why do you love cooking so much? Cause literally I respond to a lot of your things. I literally, those ribs you made the other day, I was like, dude, I'm coming. Yeah, yeah. Where, where did the love of cooking come from? Two things, well, three things. One, my, my mom is a really good cook. Uh, so I, I kind of grew up watching her and in typical Midwest fashion, like lots of, you know, classic, uh, you know, really rich, flavorful, fatty fucking Midwest, uh, you know, type of type of meals. So I, I always kind of was inspired, I think, originally by her. But then moving to Texas, uh, you know, I've been here for about 12 years now when I first moved here, like I, I, you know, we would hang out with some family friends or new acquaintances or whatever. And I'd see these guys that would, you know, they'd, they'd have a barrel smoker in their backyard and they'd make pulled pork or beef ribs or fucking brisket or whatever. And, and I would try it and I'm like, motherfucker, you made that. And I was like, you, you're backwoods fucking inbred redneck yeah. ass pulled this off. Like, well, motherfucker, if, if you can do this, like I ought to be able to at least you know, make something that's not a fucking carcinogen burger. Right. So, uh, that, you know, that was kind of the, the middle of the phase. And then the last thing I just, fuck, I love to eat, you know, I mean, that's the bottom line. I love to fucking eat. And, you know, to me, I'm not one of those, I want to do everything for myself. I mean, there's certain things like if it's plumbing or, you know, shit, some things around the house, like, yeah, I'd rather have somebody that really knows what the fuck they're doing, do that. Yeah. But, but when it comes to cooking and, and making food, because it's something that you've got to do multiple times a day, every day, I don't want to suck at that, you know? Um, and so all of those things kind of combined is just, 
uh, you know, really inspired me to, to want to cook. And so I, most of what I do is I'd say barbecuing and, mm-hmm. and grilling and things like that. But I, I do plenty of other, you know, more, uh, regular, you know, chef type stuff also that I, I've just kind of gotten into over the years, but yeah, your yeah. ribs, your ribs got me quite aroused. I yeah. told you I've, I, I fired right. Yeah. Don't put, look at me, make eye contact. When I talk. <laughs> yeah. We're all yeah, looking, yeah. we're all looking down on the camera. <laughs> look, you look at me, look down at my five foot seven frame, Mike Ritland. Your pants are off, right? I put them back on. Everybody, I didn't get the feel that you guys wanted to see yeah. anything, so I put them yeah. back on. Yeah, I, nothing could be further from the truth. You should stand up right now. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you know, I'm not t- even if I stand up, I'm not fucking tall enough for you to see anything. So that's, <laughs> what other questions we got? We got some crazy. Well, actually, questions. I wanted to ask him on the chef side, no. Mike. What's the most complicated thing Ooh. meal that you put together? And you for know, who? It's like a challenge. You were like, I don't know if I can do this, but Chateaubriand? Yeah. No, I mean, shit, that's just a steak anyway. But the uh, to me, hey, that's uh, all I got. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, to me, the I'd say the, mo- the most complicated things are, at least from from my perspective, I don't do a lot of baking because I don't eat a ton of carbs. But when you start incorporating like uh, sauces, uh, you know, stocks or, or sauces from scratch, where you're taking you know, seven to 30 fucking different elements of, of ingredients and, and having to do certain things with them, uh, at, at a certain time before you incorporate them all together. It's not super complicated, I would say, but, uh, stuff like that, you know, stocks, whether it's, you know, clam chowder soups or, uh, you know, certain stocks for, for stews or soups <laughs> and things like that, that, uh, that have, you know, kind of multifaceted, yeah. Uh, components to them is, is probably the the most um, you know in depth or, or complicated it gets. Which again, it's it's really not that complicated. I mean, to me, you know, cooking is is really not that complicated. I mean, it, it and team guys especially, or just you know anybody that that has a, a job or a lifestyle where attention to detail fucking matters. Mm-hmm. You know, should should be able to cook just fine. I mean, because that's really what it is. You know, it, it's you know, we'll, we'll take barbecue as an example because it's, it's something that most people know me for. And, and it, it parallels being a team guy pretty immensely. And, and it may seem like a stretch at first, but no different than being a team guy. And that, you know, to be a team guy, like it's not just being in good shape. It's not just being a, a phenomenal shot. It's not just having good intelligence. It's not just having awesome equipment. It's not just having awesome platforms and, and, you know, uh, you know, techs or, or support personnel and assets or, uh, you know, air wings and, and overhead support, things that it's all of those things, right? It's not any one of those things. It's all of them put together that gives us the reputation it has on the, on the barbecue side. Like most people think, well, it's the rub, right? Well, fucking what's your secret rub? Like, well, it's, it's not the fucking rub. Like it's the meat, it's the rub, it's the fucking type of grill you're using. It's the quality of fucking wood. It's the, the right temperature. It's being able to, to manage and control a fire so that it's not overly smoky, but not, not smoky enough. It doesn't get too hot on you. The fire doesn't go out. Like it's, it's all of those things combined and none of them by themselves are all that hard to, to really fucking master or figure out. They all take a little bit of practice. Um, but they do require, you know, kind of a symphony of being able to do them all at the same time to, to have a finished product. Just like with being a team guy though, to, to pinpoint one fucking thing that without you're, you're not going to be able to pull it off is the genetics, right? Just like buds is really a selection course and that it, it's weeding, weeding out the genetic bullshit from the stuff that actually has what it, what it takes to get the job done mm-hmm. is that if you're buying a, a select, uh, quality piece of meat from fucking Walmart uh, and expecting it to, to turn out like, you know, an, an A5 Wagyu grade from Snake River Farms, it's not going to. Uh, no different than if you take the guy that just doesn't fucking have what it takes and try to make him a seal, like it's just not going to happen. So, uh, you know, I, I, I like to, uh, you know, use those as kind of an analogy to, to say, you know, that that's why I am particular about it and, and kind of how it all meshes Dude. together. That was awesome. That A, that was yeah. a great analogy. B, I got, I got two things out of that. Number one, that Mike Ridlin is saucy. <laughs> and number two, I feel like a finger licking rib after his description yeah. of team guys and ribs. So fucking A. Hey, hey you know, so you got what's up, bro? Go it's right. sound, when he was talking about all the meat, I'm thinking like 
how complex it was and how you have to be able to balance everything. I don't know about you, Mike. Now I'm talking, you know, pre, pre the family days. I'm thinking of like, you brought up a lot of memories of me and Rhoda doing back in the days, doing my uh, odd number of, you know, components in the, in the lovemaking room. So I was like, you know, handling, <laughs> handling multiple sauces at yeah. one time. And, you know, it's all, it's all a symphony. Brother. You got, it's a symphony. Of <laughs> I love it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Let's let's shift. Let's talk about crazy things that well, actually, no I, one knows. You're going to go. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, Mike, all of us, me, you, and Ray, we're constantly flying all over the place. We spend, I mean, lots of time on airplanes. So, if you were on a 10-hour flight and you could pick the person that's sitting next to you, who would you want to sit next to you? You could pick anybody in the world. Like, it could be the magical person that you would want to sit next to you for 10 hours. Yeah. And why? Why would you want that person next to you? Do they have to be alive? Uh, no. No, anybody so, on the planet. Yeah, so I, I would actually pick Glenn Doherty, which uh, I know, I know oh, both of you are oh. really pretty familiar with. Uh, you know, Glenn was a, a good friend, a really good friend of mine. I, you know, we went through uh, Best QT together, and, and we were at, did two platoons at Team 3 together. And, you know, I've got pictures of him holding my kids when they were newborns. And just, you know, I, I remember, you know, spending a lot of time, you know, running on the beach, just he and I or just, you know, spending a lot of quality time together. And, and again, being on deployment with a guy, uh, you know, you learn quite a bit about him. And Glenn was just one of those guys that, um, you know, just like everybody, everybody that I knew that knew him well, considered him their best friend, you know, his, their best friend, you know, or almost everybody or one of their best friends. Like he was just one of those guys that was good at everything. He was impossible not to like, uh, you know, incredibly charming, brilliantly witty, uh, and just a solid fucking guy. I mean, most team guys are, you know, really fucking good dudes. And, and uh, you know, there's just something about them that kind of, you know, sets them apart from everybody. But Glenn really kind of took it to the next level from my experience. And, and he was just, you know, whether it was our time in Iraq or any training trip we'd been on, like he was the one guy that uh, that was kind of the glue that really, he was the morale glue that held the platoon together. You know, he just, he had an, an innate and uncanny ability mm -hmm. to, you know, turn any situation into, into a good time, uh, you know, a funny time. And, and it was just one of those guys that was, uh, you know, for, for lack of better terms, he was just, he was reassuring to have around, you know, more so than anybody I'd ever met. It was just, you know, he was, he was a fucking warm blanket, kind of like what's around Ray's ankles right now, you know? So, uh, just fucking good dude. You know, <laughs> you know true story about Glenn. Um, <laughs> I, my wife and I used to call him the sweater because he would sweat so fucking yeah. bad when we would train. I did an so, arc alpha with him. Believe me, I know. Yeah, I worked with him on his other stuff, which we don't talk about, uh, but yeah. I, I get upset about it. Uh, true story, uh, Glenn was, I can't believe I'm going to tell you this. I'm sure you knew it, but Glenn was doing something else. He was doing some stuff with, what the hell is that guy's name to seal that? Uh, Win Zero. Um, no, Brand, Brandon Webb, yeah. And he called me up when I was working at the farm and said, hey, I want to get back on. You know what I'm talking about? I called J.D. Smith. He immediately was going to Mexico City. After that, he called me and said, hey, I'm going. To, and I was like, dude, man, you better. And then I got the call right after that. So it fucking kills me. Um, and which yeah. we are, in, I think you are too. We're both ambassadors for Bubs. Yeah. Yeah. So I promote the hell out of it because I love his legacy. So yeah. great, yeah, it, great answer. Yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, great uh, answer. A, uh, a tough story for me, one that I've, I've shared uh, one, once or twice. Otherwise, it's not something I talk a whole lot about. But uh, so with Glenn and Ty, um, when Glenn got that gig, he uh, actually called me and I had just started my first dog company at the time um, and asked me if I, you know, would go do this pilot program, uh, you know, the start of, of that that project with yep. with that group. And, uh, you know, I was like, man, I, I just, I just started the company up. Like I've got this property, I've got a dog kennel. There's no way I can do it. Um, you know, and he said, well, similarly, it was, it's funny you mentioned that. It was kind of one of the questions he asked. He, he was like, well, if there was somebody that you could recommend that you'd be all right with spending, you know, 10 hours sitting next to in a vehicle all day long with nothing to do, but sit there and talk, you know, who would you recommend? And I was like, well, do you remember Ty Woods from, you know, I, I actually introduced them about two years prior to that the three of us went down to Mexico and, and fucking hung out for a weekend. And, uh, and, and I, I 
you know, linked him up to begin with. And I said, you remember, you know, Ty, the dude who went to Mexico with, he's like, oh, fuck yeah. I said, well, he's just getting out. He just called me and, and asked me if I knew of any work or whatever. And I didn't, but you know, this, he just called me a few days ago asking. So, cause shit had been winding down on the contractor mm-hmm. side <laughs> pretty yep. hard then. And, uh, so I, I linked the, the two of them up for that gig to begin with. So, uh, you know, there, there's certainly an element on my end that, uh, is almost like missing a fucking plane that crashes. Uh, you know, if, if I had said yes to Glenn, would I have been, you know, in Ty's spot? I mean, maybe not, maybe who, who knows, but, yeah. uh, it's just, you know, to me that that's while we're all grown ass men that make our own decisions, that's been a, a more tough part of that whole fucking story for me to, to, to deal with. Again, it's not, not something I, I spend a whole lot of time talking about, but just because you know him so well and, and what have you, it, uh, yeah, it's just something that's really hit home with me over the years, but. Wow. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> there's not many nights that go by. If I don't have a drink, I don't give a little toast to, to the bub. I miss yeah. him. Yeah. yeah. A little good dude, but. Well, Jay, I got nothing on that. I'm sorry. It's rare that I don't have yeah. much to say, Mike. And I mean, I guess I, I'm. A, I guess I'll just say uh, for those people that aren't out there that aren't familiar with that story, it's uh, it's the story based off uh, the film 13 Hours. Yeah. Go watch it. I'll just leave it at that. And then, uh, Mike. Wow, man. Uh, I tell you what, this has been awesome. I mean, we've just enjoyed a lot of the different stories. I mean, I think that uh, I think finishing on that note with a salute to Glenn Doherty is is the right way to do it um yeah i mean we're just going to wrap up the show and come full circle because resilience you know there's so many different levels of resilience we've talked about there's physical resilience that obviously we've all had to have in 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 going through training there's resilience i mean you nailed it with different levels of people uh at the highest levels of success whether it's in you know showbiz or whether it's in you know, business or even small business. I know all of us are encountering it right now, you know, with the craziness going on in the economy, the resilience to keep <clears throat> the resilience to deal with dogs. And then there's that mental and emotional resilience of, you know, uh, man, all the regrets all of us have when things happen in life and we look back and we really had no direct impact on it, but just being human, we carry those mental and emotional scars. So I think we'll wrap the show on that. We um, do, um, we typically do like two minutes of motivation, basically around the word of the day. So uh, so Ray and I will kick it, and then Mike, we're going to give you the last word. <coughs> All right, appreciate it. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to string about. it out for another thirty minutes just to fuck with your timeline. Oh, you ain't fucking. <laughs> hey, hey, brother, coronavirus. I'll I'll fucking wear you out. I'll sit here. I'll, I'll fucking take my top you. off to match and sit here all goddamn night. I think all three of us could stay up for a week straight. I got nothing to lose. Let's we go live and do the shit. We're, we're here as long uh, as uh, Ryan's hard drive is big, and I got to yeah. tell you, producer Ryan, he's got, huh? got a big really hard drive. Big hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the hard drive on that guy. <laughs> no. All right. Let me start with resilience. It's always yeah, the, it. the, the junior guy. So guys, listen, resilience comes in many forms. Like LT said, mental, of mental, physical, emotional, social, spiritual. The key is, is no matter how quickly or how roughly you get off course, you need to get back. You need to recover. You need to get back. You have to have that fucking front sight focus. Keep your eye on the fucking prize. Like I said before, the only way that you're going to be successful is and to succeed is if you put in the time plus effort to get the results. You have got to bounce back quickly. You are the captain of your ship. You've got to steer it back on course. Do not let the sea steer you. You steer the ship and go straight. LT? Guys, resilience, it just comes down to continuing to grind. That's all it is. And, uh, you know, I try to tell so many people, so many people want to quit or give up when they don't see themselves coming in first or they're not at the top of their game. And I got to tell you, if you ever watch a race and you, and you think back years later after the race, nobody ever says, hey, I ran the Boston Marathon and I came in 732nd. Yeah, unless you are a world record holder, nobody cares about that. Mm-hmm. You finish the race, man. And that's what life is about. That's what resilience is. It doesn't matter what you're going through in life. You just continue to grind forward. You put one foot in front of the other. And I don't care if it's physical, mental, or emotional. Ah, man, you can do it. And, and Mike Ritland is all about that. I love your stories, Mike. I'm going to kick it to you, brother. Wrap us up with resilience. Bring it home, big papa. <laughs> <laughs> 
So you guys give your take and then have the guests go last now that all the fucking wind is out of the room with, with talking about the, uh, the word. Well, of the day. you weren't in the fucking Smurf crew, so fuck you. Go. <laughs> so it's always got to be about size, doesn't it, Ray? Uh, yes, sir. All right. So resilience to me, you know, especially given right now, um, you know, resilience is something that, that really is a choice. You know, at the end of the day, the beauty of it is that it's it's not a genetic gift that you're handed down generation to generation. It's a fucking choice that you make every day. And not even every day, it's throughout the day, is that every fucking decision that, that you're uh, faced with, you, you can have the, the decision or the choice to either be resilient about it or be a fucking pussy about it and, and let it crumble you like a fucking lawn chair, right? So to, to me, to take this as an opportunity to practice resiliency and, and look at that any, anything that, that, that comes your way, whether it's you lose your job, uh, you know, you don't have enough money in the bank to, to support your family, you know, more than four days, whatever it is. I mean, resiliency is, is a state of mind. It's a way of life. Uh, and, and let, you know, any, any hardship that comes <laughs> your way right now, let it be a lesson uh, for you to, to now know the next time. Uh, you know, what you need to, to have to be prepared. You know, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, as an example, and I'm not, not knocking it, everybody's been there, um, you know, but, but if, if you're in a position where income stops coming in, you know, resiliency means, well, the next time I'm going to have a plan in place where I've at least got enough, enough reserve to take care of my family, you know, until I can figure out how to, how to make it from somewhere else. Right. I mean, that, that's our job as, as the uh, heads of the household or the providers, or, or even if you're, you know, on the bottom of the totem pole as the youngest child in, in the family is that, you know, everybody can be resilient and everybody can, can contribute to that factor. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, uh, that's the one thing again that that all of the people that I've met over the years that uh, that had an interesting story that that had something to to show for what they've done and what they've accomplished all had one thing in common and that was that they were resilient no matter what happened you know they they figured out a way to overcome whatever these odds were and and they were resilient in how they lived their life to be able to to get to where they are and, and it's been hugely impactful for me to to see that because that's something again that the encouraging and inspirational part of that is that you don't have to be a fucking multimillion or billionaire to have that, that mindset and that trait, you know, you, you can be anybody and decide to be resilient, you know, and, and that's, what's going to help you get to where you want to be better than any other thing out there. I love it. Man. Ray, I'm surprised you didn't drop a boom there. Like I wanted to. No, I did I, too. I, I, I didn't want to uh, interrupt the man. I let him, he yeah, was, he, he was, I did just because he's taller than me. <laughs> yeah, don't lie. Don't lie. Yeah, yeah. So, well, Mike, dude, awesome. Uh, uh, listen, stuff. brother, tell, uh, tell everybody where they can find you. First yeah. thing, if somebody is interested in getting one of your dogs, uh, where do they go? Where do they learn more? Where do they learn to donate to, uh, you know, the, the Trident Canine Foundation? And I know you have a podcast. Tell us about social media. Give us the blast, man. Where can people yeah. find you? So the, the quickest way is just Google Larry Flint's hustler. Uh, and that's where I, the, uh, so I'm on that page right now. Oh, wait a minute. What are the odds? Is there a mirror behind you? How did I know that? The, uh, so the, honestly, the, the best way or the easiest way to, to see every different aspect of what I have going on is to just go to MikeRitland.com. Uh, that has Tricos, which, you know, is the, the personal protection dogs, police dogs, uh, you know, dogs in any form or fashion that you're looking for, for whatever needs. Teamdog.pet, <coughs> excuse me, is my online training course that uh, I started uh, almost four years ago now that uh, in, in today's time, especially, I'm, I'm glad that I have started as long ago as I did. And it's been running on all cylinders, which has proved to be, uh, you know, pretty, pretty instrumental during, uh, during this period. But, you know, that, that in essence is for everybody, any dog owner out there that wants to uh, you know, kind of piggyback on all of the, the principles and concepts that I've learned over the couple of decades I've been messing with the four-legged uh, terrors that, I, that I've been messing with and, and how to apply all of these training principles to your average everyday house pet. Uh, that's, that's what those are. Uh, there's forums in there that I get in uh, every week uh, and answer questions and interact with some of the members, uh, depending on what their situation is. And, uh, and it's just been a really good resource. It's 99 bucks unlimited for the year. So it's, uh, I wanted it to be affordable for your average everyday dog owner also, uh, warrior dog foundation, 
uh, warriordogfoundation.org, uh, which is the nonprofit that I started back in 2010. Uh, we've taken in over 180 dogs at this point from pretty much every working capacity you can imagine here in the States. Um, we've currently got 26 dogs uh, under our care right now. And, and our primary mission statement with that is to act as a, a resource slash sanctuary uh, for dogs that are going to be euthanized that, that serve their country in, in some form or capacity. Uh, and so we're, we're very uh, proud to, to have been able to uh, to act as a as a retirement home for for so many dogs over the years, we do try to rehome uh, as many of them as we can, and we do rehome a number of them. Um, some of them just end up kind of living out their their uh, glory days on the uh, on the ranch and and just getting to be a dog and unwind, uh, which which ultimately they deserve at least that. But uh, if you can go to WarriorDogFoundation.org and help out there, uh, especially you know right now uh, our our needs haven't changed any. We're getting another dog in in two days. Um, you know, no matter what uh, virus is going around or, or recession may or may not be happening, uh, you know, the dogs still need to be taken care of 24-7, you know, so um, any any uh, help or assistance you can provide is, uh, is greatly appreciated. Last but not least, the Mic Drop podcast um, uh, on all social media, just look, uh, just Mic Drop podcast is the best way to look at that. Uh, social media for every other entity, just just the name on whatever platform you're talking about, uh, and it'll it'll come up. But um, I appreciate you guys having me, and uh, and uh, it's been been great talking to you as always. Need to have both of you on my show, maybe not um, at the same time, but uh, a threesome <laughs> of awesome. I'll come. I'll, I'm more than you can handle as it is. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Fucking man sandwich. One the one guy man sandwich. Mm. Dude, I'm the um, bread. I'm not the meat. <laughs> all right mike hey man it's been an honor brother uh, uh, everything you're doing uh salute man way to yeah, cross much it. respect so Appreciate thanks for coming question, on man definitely be safe out there good luck with the time with the family and expanding and uh yeah brother another amazing show so this has been another amazing episode of the overcome and conquer show i am jason overcome redmond and i'm ray cash care and we are out Thanks for listening to the Overcome and Conquer Show. Tune in next time and please remember to subscribe on iTunes. Please visit overcomeandconquer.com. The Overcome and Conquer Show is presented by The Project. The Project is a full immersion, 75-hour experience designed for men who know in their core they are not living up to their fullest potential. Rather than waking up every morning ready to dominate life, the mediocre man rolls out of bed and slides into the same unfulfilling routine they've unhappily been in for way too long. The project is for men that have lost their eternal flame and motivation to conquer. It is for men living an unfulfilling life that lacks the excitement and purpose. If this resonates with you and you want to learn more, we encourage you to apply today at www.mdkproject.com forward slash OC show. Boom.